Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is the guy who will never be a traitor to this podcast, my loyal friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? That's right. I'm always going to be honest and completely for this podcast. So with that, I'm doing very well today. Great to hear. Eddie, today we're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man Annual 5. And you know, I find annuals to be the lowest form of comics. So I asked someone to join us who can help me separate the wheat from the chaff. That's right, James B. Today we have a guest introducing Lex Lalonde, an industrious Hartford-based graphic artist and teacher you can find at at Studio Alala. We are ecstatic to have you join us. Tell us about yourself, Lex. Uh, thanks, Eddie. My name is Lex, and I'm a designer of things of various usefulness, including the logo for this very podcast. Um, I've been also known to teach graphic design to you know a generation or two of children. So, James B., what is an annual, and why do you hate it so much? Eddie didn't know what an annual is for a while either, so don't feel bad that you don't know. Uh, an annual is an issue that comes out once a year, and it's basically they throw together a bunch of random artists and some story that they want to fill in there. It, it's just a cash a cash grab. It's just a disaster, and, and they've been some of the worst books we've read, but maybe this will be the exception. Lex, what are you hoping to bring to this uh, this podcast? As difficult as it is to talk about pictures in a podcast, I'm hoping to use my visual art teaching strategies to make observations uh, in description form and talk to our audience a little bit about illustrations and some lore into the uh, behind the scenes of a comic. Anyways, so Eddie, why don't you do that summary thing you enjoy so much? I do enjoy the summaries. Uh, Okay, Annual Spider-Man 5, The Parents of Peter Parker. We open with an odd sequence of Spider-Man fighting vaguely Middle Eastern-looking thugs. A bullet grazes his head. He falls into a canal and passes out as he crawls out. James B., did you think this opening fight was a Spidey dream? I did. You know, sometimes he opens his books in the middle of the action, but he was thinking things, and none of the people who were fighting were talking, and I thought that was really weird. Then he got knocked out, and I thought it wasn't real. I thought he was just going like, to wake up from a dream, but, but he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't, James B. While knocked out, we see a, a flashback of Peter accidentally breaking a trunk when moving it at Aunt May's. He looks at the debris of the trunk and finds a clipping in a photo of his parents. Aunt May recalls how Peter's dad, Richard, was a highly decorated war vet. But when Richard took an overseas job in Algeria, he disappeared and newspapers claimed he was a traitor to his country. Uncle Ben and Aunt May resolved to never tell Peter about their traitorous father. With a heavy heart, Peter departs Aunt May. James B., uh, weren't we recently talking about this? Peter's uh, parents in our movie podcast? Yeah, we had never seen or heard about them in the book I mean, until this annual, apparently. And, right, we were just talking about it as we rewatched the... Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man movie, a couple podcasts ago. So it's interesting to see now what they actually had pulled from the book about his parents. Um, So that was very interesting to me. Uh, Hey, guys, do you have time for a surprise new segment we've never done before on the podcast? I love surprises. I'm ready. Really? A new segment? A break from routine? Yeah, it's true. It's a new segment. It's amazing. Okay. So on our Twitter account, which is at Let's Read Spidey, I had a poll, and the poll asked, Spider-Man's superhero origin is not based on his parents, but rather a radioactive spider and some words from Uncle Ben. 
if you could decide once and for all what Peter Parker's parents' background should have been, would you pick? And there were four choices. The choices were regular people, Oscorp scientists, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or World War II era superheroes. What would you pick? You guys want to weigh in before I give you the results of the poll? Sure, I'll weigh in. I, I kind of like when it's just regular people, actually, of these things. And, well, that's my vote for regular people. Lex? I'm, I'm a woman of the people as well. Oh, you know, I like okay. to relate to the characters. Well, I like how in the movie they were Oscorp, at least the father was an Oscorp scientist. I actually liked that because I thought that would be good uh, because Peter would then, you'd explain his science background a little bit. Of course, regular people would, would be better because it would relate to regular people. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would defend his like loyalty, Spider-Man being a good guy, and World War II era superheroes mm. would explain why he is a you know a crime-fighting superhero of sorts. Uh, the results of the poll are in. Regular people got 62% of the vote. Oscorp scientists got 25%. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got 12.5%. And nobody picked the World War II era superheroes. Oh. Uh, Eddie... Were you satisfied with the just Peter's parents' story? I, I I was mystified by a couple of things to do with it. One, I was like trying to figure out what his dad's job exactly was. I mean, Uncle Ben and, and Richard, Richard Parker, have a discussion before he leaves to go to Algeria. But I, it was kind of unclear exactly what he was doing. We know he was a decorated war veteran. I, I let me I, let me jump I in here. I, here. I think that, I think that, and if I get this wrong, you can send a message to me at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. But I think they are actually written in to be agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. I'm sure along the way, he, as these other books are coming out, and he realizes, ooh, we could have it tied to the Red Skull, and different things are going on. They, they start to, to write the story as, as they think of it. But I believe in the end, they are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, All right. Sorry, I was super thrilled to learn anything about Peter's parents because it's been such a long time of really radio silence about them he never hardly ever talks about them yeah lex they're never even they're really never mentioned at all they really it's all just about his aunt and his uncle he never worries about the history of his parents but but i mentioned the red skull out there and that may be a little early because we haven't even talked Uh about him so eddie why don't you move along our summary for us in the days that follow peter becomes more and more agitated and decides he will attempt to clear his parents name with a little help from Reed Richards, he goes to Algeria to begin his quest. Upon arrival, Spider-Man shakes a couple of Algerian hoods down for info and eventually learns the address of the Master. The flashback ends, and we are back to a slowly awaking Spidey next to the canal. Uh, Lex, you are the art expert among us, and we have not discussed the artwork in this issue. Uh, what do you think? All right, well, I mean, um, lots of action scenes. Um... Like the fight with the, what, what, how did you describe them again? Vaguely. Um, Algerian hoods. Yes, <laughs> Algerian hoods, hoods. So a lot of, um, I don't know if you know, but a lot of the characters are actually drawn from life. So you have a, you would have a model um, to actually draw from because a lot of those poses are very challenging, actually. Like at one point there's a. Can you tell us like what page when you're looking at it? Because I have the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the page. Um, so if you're looking at page six, the top right panel in the foreground, um, like one of the Algerian hoods with a sort of spiraling motion and Spider-Man like ricocheting off the wall, tucked into a somersault 
head first, knees out. That is a nightmare to draw, simply because it's in perspective, and the head appears like much bigger than the feet that it would actually. So that was definitely done from a live reference. Um, and as I don't know if you know, but on a comics team, so you would have someone, um, I think in this issue it's Larry Lieber, um, actually like visualizing the illustrations, then you would have someone penciling, and um, I think that's that's Mary Severin in this issue, more on her later. But you have this whole team that works together uh, to bring these illustrations. It's not just an artist. There's actually a dedicated um, hand, like person who hand writes all these letters. But back to Mary Severin, who bebopped around like she was pens. She was more of a color person earlier because she was very precise. And lore has it, um, she was very like a very conservative Christian, and so she's inking these oh. incredibly violent scenarios. And um, so lore has it that she uh, kind of colored in too darkly, like dark blue, any panel she thought was in bad taste, which she oh. has refuted. But um, I guess that was something that part of the lore behind some Spider-Man is that Mary Severin had an issue of all these violent scenes and purposefully kind of botched the color so that they would either wow. get cut or just not show as much gore as originally intended. That is so fascinating. I, I had never considered kind of the team behind the drawings uh, not being much of a drawer myself. I, I do think this whole sequence at the beginning, and it's funny you should mention page six because one of my favorite panels is there. Could we describe the Spider-Man attack as like the salmon fish attack into the guy's stomach? Right below? <laughs> yes! <laughs> it is, uh, that is a salmon-esque pose for sure. Um, we see Spider-Man action lines and everything, particular this yellow sunburst uh, from the impact of headbutting <laughs> <laughs> while like supine, is that what's going on? Like right I, into this guy. I, I don't exactly know, but I, I think I'm going to continue <laughs> on with the summary if you're ready, Lex. I, I'm, I'm ready for now. Keep going. <laughs> After regaining his bearings, Spuddy breaks into the master's office, and just as he finds a card that shows his father is a traitor, the Red Skull casually surprises him in a bathrobe from behind. Spidey fights and defeats a big goon, and the Red Skull runs off. Spidey goes back to depressingly swinging around Algeria, thinking about his evil father. Eddie, what do you know about the Red Skull? Uh, you know, I know he's in Captain America. I've seen him there before. I know my wife really hates his depiction. It disturbs her greatly. But not, not too much more than that. Yeah, I also don't have a lot of background on the Red Skull, except he is a very old villain. I think he was a villain of the 1940s. I think he's in the MCU and he has that role where he appears in the Avengers movies. He, he is part of that, uh, the Tesseract and all that stuff as well. But yeah, I don't yes. really know a lot about the Red Skull, not, not neither. So. Well, a small piece of Spidey's costume tore off in the battle, which gives the Red Skull's longtime hitman, the Finisher, all he needs to hunt Spidey down. Using the piece of fabric, the finisher launches a homing missile to go after Spider-Man, but Spidey tricks the missile into blowing up the finisher's car. After the explosion, the finisher's final words to Spidey reveal that his father wasn't a double agent. Spidey swings off to find proof in the Red Skull's palace. Uh, one thing I'd like to discuss here is how, when Spidey shows up at the palace, the Red Skull is just sitting in his throne. <laughs> Did anyone else see this? I mean... I feel like there would have been some warning from outside, like just based on the noises. But I guess when you're that 
high of a super villain, you have to just appear <laughs> unperturbed to keep like maintain that <laughs> exterior of composure. So, yeah. Like, is it a, an intimidation tactic? No, I actually think I actually have the exact same thought. I feel like that you come walking out like you're the big boss. And Eddie, I mentioned this recently. This is that whole James Bond era again, where the ah, villain yes. comes walking out and he's like, "I'm the villain in my bathroom." But, you know, I found you and my plans. I, I, that's what I was thinking of. He comes walking, smoking a cigarette, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, he seems incredibly relaxed uh, at the beginning of both of these encounters, being in his bathrobe and just do, sitting on a throat. Do you think the, you think the kingpin would be doing the same thing? Yes, you know. Right, right. The big doing his the, thing. The big bald boss people would be doing this, right? <laughs> That's right. This guy's wearing the big bald boss cream. I'm sure of it. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, thank you for your contribution, everybody. Uh, we're gonna finish this up one up with Spidey battles a number of the Red Skull's devices until there is an explosion that ends the battle and allows the Red Skull to escape. When Spidey reaches safety, he looks at his father's sinister membership card and sees that a singed corner has revealed he was actually a double agent working for the good guys. We end with Spidey elated that he has cleared his family's name. Wait a second. Did you say his evil membership card had his good guy membership card hidden inside of it? Fitting for a double agent. Hey, um... Oh, by the way, excellent summary, Eddie. Before we hear our final thoughts on this issue, we uh, we have to get our sponsor in. Are you guys okay if I squeeze it in right now? Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. Great. Eddie, are you tired of that boring job you work on that doesn't really give you the excitement that you deserve? Uh, not really. Well, you should be. <laughs> Eddie, we might have a new job for you. Eddie, I want you to consider the exciting field of international spy. J.D. Power and Associates rank international spy number one in death and dismember benefits to loved ones. At your regular job, if they ask you to go somewhere else for the day and you were killed by a bomb or a missile or in a plane crash, what would they cover? Maybe one year's salary if you're lucky? How can your poor family expect to go on without you with only one year's salary? The employers at International Spy, who shall remain nameless, have recently rethought their benefits package. Now, as an International Spy, your family will get, listen to this, Eddie, 25 years worth of your salary if you are stabbed to death, hung, or strangled like a brute like Sandor. Don't believe what you read. The new International Spy job is different than those in the past. We now accept men and women of all backgrounds. Act now, and your significant other can join you on the job. You can choose exotic, dangerous places to work, such as Algeria, Iraq, or Afghanistan. So, Eddie, are you thinking of picking up the phone right now and joining the exciting field of International Spy? Wait, Eddie, if you are, don't bother, because they don't accept phone calls. You can send them a tweet at International Spy, and someone will get back to you. Eddie, are you going to send a tweet? I don't think so, James B. <laughs> I, I guarantee my wife would never join me <laughs> on a spy mission either. Um, I just don't think so, James B. I, I'm not ready what? to be a spy. I, I think you're missing out. Alex, what do you think? Sign me up. I mean, the benefits sound better than what I have right now. I mean, not, <laughs> 25 right? years? I mean, might be worth getting stabbed. It's probably worth more <laughs> than me now. <laughs> I agree. Great 
Thank you so much, Lex. Our sponsor appreciates it. Okay, well, let's get back to what we're talking about, which is our thoughts on this issue. So does anybody want to start with anything? Well, I think that for an annual, it's, it's, I mean, I don't really read comics, so this is there's not a lot of comparison. But there was a there was a backstory, and it started out tragic. There was you know character development. The artwork is on point. Two fights for your money, not bad. Someone on a website that I was poking around said that this was the worst annual, and I thought, oh. no way. I mean, they haven't must have not have read annual two yet, and maybe annual three. Um, Eddie, I'd put this uh, um, maybe the. I don't know, maybe the second best one? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, this is my second favorite annual, almost positively. I did like annual four a lot, but we finally get to hear about Peter Parker's parents. It's It's been, what, 60-something issues, and we haven't heard hardly anything, and now we get the full story. How could you not be excited about that? I, you know, I don't understand. Uh, one thing I noticed, and there's a lot of little things, and I don't usually like the cameos. Uh, Reed Richards was in this. Lex, do you know anything about Reed Richards or the Fantastic Four? Oh, I certainly don't, James B. Enlighten me. They're like superheroes <laughs> who get to reveal their identity, and everybody likes them, and Spider-Man is jealous of them all the time, and he often uh, has a frenemy in the Human Torch. But they were pretty helpful to him, Eddie, in this issue, were they not? They were extremely helpful. I know I in my summary I said Reed Richards helps him get to Algeria. He he flies him personally in his you know super jet very quickly to Algeria. So thank you Reed Richards <laughs> from Spider-Man. Deuce, Deuce X Fantastic Four. <laughs> Wait, I don't I don't want to I don't want to change topics yet here. I I appreciate okay, go ahead. getting the flight but do you, do you think we needed to be told how he gets back? It, it seemed pertinent, but at the same time, like, I don't know. They're all superheroes. Perhaps there's a, is there a 1-800 number we can call the Fantastic Force headquarters? <laughs> I, I mean, secret number? He, has, he has flown to California and Florida, but he's always arranged. He's always said like, oh, good, I have the airfare back, or he's going to jump the flight back with... J. Jonah Jameson, but the fact is, he's in Algeria. I would think, I mean, right? Am I? This is a typical annual thing. Meh, don't worry about it. Meh, who yeah. cares? It's an annual. I mean, it, what, in annual two, he was in like another dimension, and he didn't seem very concerned about that either. So that's just a, a theme of annuals. So. One, of, one of the worst books I've read. Absolutely. Maybe the worst and so far. I will point out that he makes a big deal of not being able to get there. Like, that's mentioned twice, so... I feel like the return journey would matter. I, but like you said, annual. Yeah, I, I let's pretend that he arranged something with Reed Richards. And if Reed Richards can fly him there in a matter of moments, I'm sure he could discuss how he would get back. That probably was prearranged. They could have put in a, a bubble or two telling me that. I would have appreciated it. Artie Semek. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was clear too. When we say he was flown there, he was flown in a Spider-Man costume, and he had nothing else. There was not going to be any Peter Parker once he was in Algeria, because he's just Spider-Man the easier, whole time. You think it's easier to draw Spider-Man or Lex? Is it easier to draw Peter Parker? Um, from a purely art school perspective, um, much easier to draw Spider-Man because most um, people who went to art school, including the team, uh, um, through my research, a lot of them were like formally trained. 
um, most of the, like, when you learn to draw a person, they are nude. Like, you draw from a nude model. So, um, you learn how, to, how the body works before you learn about how drapery works on the body. So it's actually a little easier to draw, well, in my opinion, to draw someone, like, let's face it, Spider-Man's uniform is pretty much skin tight. It's essentially having him naked. So it's, huh. you don't have to worry about, like, oh, okay, is there wind? Or, like, is it is it is it stretching the fabric, like, across the shoulders? Like, it, it's just a one element less to worry about. And the physics of that object that isn't that is not part of it it's, and he's, he, he's always got a mask on too so no problem drawing a face with uh, that, that's great that's really great <laughs> no mouth this is not something that i would have even thought about to be honest i'm not just saying that to you know to thank you for sharing that but really i i think oh it's spider-man you know, you could draw Peter Parker, Spider-Man, who really cares? But the fact that if Spider-Man is that much easier to draw, no wonder he's often in his costume that much. Huh. For Very sure. fascinating. Uh, James B., there's no romance in this Spider-Man. Is, is this a first? There's one page, which is the bottom of 14, where you see in the background, Harry's in a car and Gwen's leaning against the car. Eddie, do you know what page Oh, yes, I okay. see that now. All right. So, so here's the deal. And Eddie... Think about his relationship with Gwen. Would you say in the previous five issues, it's on again, off again? Yes. How about his relationship with Harry? Is it sometimes good, sometimes bad? Uh, very much so, I would say. And I know you're one issue ahead like I possibly am. And Mary Jane's haircut could be completely different, agree? It could be, yes. So what you do is you make him this crappy annual. And you don't want to have a continuity problem where... Is he currently with Gwen? Is he fighting with Gwen? Are they, are they... Oh. So to avoid this, you just put Gwen in the background, right? You put Harry in the background, and you don't show Mary Jane at all because you don't know what she's looking like. And that way there you avoid all those details. This could have been taking place five issues ago or five issues from now. Who knows, right? There were, it was romance in Emmanuel 4, but that was, you know, Mysterio. <laughs> My and, favorite and romance. <laughs> yeah, that was a... That was a not Spider-Man romance. So, yeah, the annuals can't... The only thing you can do in an annual, Eddie, is you can just make sure the characters are doing the status quo. So if yeah. you saw somebody who always does the same thing, like if you have Aunt May, Eddie, what do you do with Aunt May in an annual? Aunt, Aunt May is upset. She may be laying in a bed. Right. Go get some medicine for her. <laughs> yeah. If, you know? In the old days, you could just make Flash Thompson angry at him. That's true. You know, but that would have worked very well. Yeah. yeah. J, as J. Jonah Jameson in this issue... I don't think so. I didn't see him. If he was, he would just be cigar in mouth yelling, right? That's right. Upset he, at Peter for being a terrible photographer. Yeah. <laughs> he, I think he has one panel in Annual 4 because he's just himself, it, you know, as long as there's no changes. So that's why there's no romance oh. uh, and there's no room for a romance segment in this issue. So, and wow. can I just, can we talk about this panel? Because I didn't study it enough to appreciate just how much is going on in this panel i mean you have the drama of peter parker in the front and he's all blue and sad hand over the face but he also divides like <laughs> two scenes behind him the scene with uh, gwen on the left and the background fades from a light yellow to a darker yellow to show the other part of his I don't know, dark imagining of everyone being disappointed in his traitorous father 
But so there's another Peter, that's another Peter Parker, right? In the there's, there's, yeah. there's, I see four in the picture. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As if we're not dividing it enough, there's that little vignette at the bottom, in the bottom right, of just him having his like sad, his, his big yeah. sads in the bed. So it's just, there's a lot going on. It's you, like really dramatic. <laughs> do, you, do you like this panel? I, I, um, visually, it's a lot for me, but I think it's really effective. I like that in the front, or like the, the two. No, I don't. It's just very chaotic, but I think it does convey the drama very well. Too too much of a montage. You don't need to put all the montage in one panel, huh? Yeah, just the kicker is that vignette within the already like compiled scene behind it. That's just really funny. I'm wondering if in the original storyboard that scene with him like in the bed was a different panel and then they realized that it would go on to another page. That might have been what happened there. I'm telling you, you're wow. you're doing a great job with this one here. I, I know you say you're not a fan of comics, but if we can, if we could just turn you into one. Boy, you could get a lot out of these things. Um, John Romita did the cover. I suppose having an artist here, we should definitely ask you about the cover. This is just really brilliant artwork. Uh, we see like a vortex in acid green and like highlighter yellow, just spiraling down with um, Spider-Man in front of it, and kind of a uh, pose. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. Like right. arms extended. It- and um, various characters who um, are, not, are villains. Who, right. Characters who do not appear in the issue, let's be clear. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, who are halfway. This is clever because they, he wanted to put them like in the vortex. So we see the vortex actually like only the outline of the person on one half and then the other half is inked as normal. Um, although I would have made the lighting a bit greener, greener had it been me. But um, that's just a really, really cool way to do that. And um, I'm not quite sure what the vortex represents <laughs> in the issue, but it's a cool cover. Yeah, I I actually, um, I actually never liked this cover. Like, I have this comic book oh. in my possession. I'm always like, Ugh, this is just a stupid cover. Like to me, I just thought it was not a very clear. I, I like things that are like, oh, here is Spider-Man. He is clearly fighting the Molten Man on the cover. Now, is that a good cover? The Molten Man sucks. I get it. But I can understand what's going on. I look at this thing and I'm like, what is going on? Why are all these people sweeping down into his... Not only that, though, as we discussed, these people aren't even in the issue. Eddie, can you yeah. see some people on the cover who are not in the issue? Oh, oh there's, wait. There's quite a bit. There's Betty Brant's there. I mean... Your best friend, Ned Leeds. Best friend, Ned Leeds. Joe that's, Robbie. That's Mary Jane with her new haircut, which hasn't even appeared yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Captain Stacy. Captain Stacy's in there, yes. And then, I, I can't identify the three people who are closest to Peter's, you know, yeah, um, parents. No idea. Because I, I see Uncle I, Ben. When in doubt, I always say it's Foswell. You know, more so. <laughs> who knows? But the point is that this is a little misleading because it's an annual. They're like, hey... I want to pick up this annual and see what's going on with Mary Jane and Captain Stacy. That's what's going on in the current storyline. But you know what? Surprise! Nothing to do with that. It's like a, you know, a flash, and it's a, it's a flashback. And Lex, we've never had an issue. Well, I hope Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong. We've never had an issue that has a starts off and then says like 24 hours earlier. That that's that took me aback. I was like, oh wow, I don't think so. Yeah, that's with the flashback. No, like, hear me out. It really felt like a dream at the beginning to me. It's weird. Well, yeah, hear me out about this cover, though. So, okay. so the, you see the silhouettes in white at, at the bottom, like in the middle of the vortex. We see a silhouette of his, his ostensibly parents. a couple. Yeah, that yeah. must be the parents. Yep. So that's the flashback. I just don't understand. But why did they put all those other people? 
I think like it's filler. leading to like it's like the origin, the very beginning of the Spider-Man story, and it's just we have all these people that we've seen and talked about the whole time, and they're all kind of moving towards this big reveal, which is we learn about Peter's parents finally. That that's how I interpreted it too. I, I think it's you don't want to put parents. You don't want to. It says at long last the parents of Peter Parker. If you just put them on the cover, it wouldn't make any sense because Spider-Man's never going to see his parents. Yeah. So, but you just can't put take all the faces away from it. That's a weird cover too, right? So oh, that'd be very bad. So putting the people in there, we're like, oh, you know, I'm telling you, it's just like a little bit of a like, wow, what's what are we going to reveal? What exciting things are going to happen with all these people? And it's like, yeah, they're not actually in this issue, but you know. Lex, thank you for being on our podcast. You were wonderful. Oh, thank you, James B and Eddie. Thank you for having me. Lex, could you take it away with the close? The remember thing. Yeah. So remember, kids. Uh, listeners, and not kids. Oh, yeah. And remember, listeners. <laughs> and remember, listeners. When in doubt, call one eight hundred Fantastic Four. Goodbye. 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 Spider-Man's superhero origin is not based on his parents, but rather a radioactive spider and some words from Uncle Ben. I'm going to wait because who has the cops behind them? That's Alexia. Uh, I'm trying to (laughs) mute you. Where are you? (laughs) (laughs) My house. (laughs) In your apartment that loud? Well, we have to keep the window open because it's too hot. (laughs) It's an especially crimey day today. I'm sorry.